Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pour Over the Pages podcast. With you, as usual, it's me, Brayden. Alongside me is my beautiful co-host, Ashley. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. If it's your first time joining us, uh, we are Pour Over the Pages. We talk about books, we review books, and we also review craft beer at the start and end of every episode. So thank you so much for joining us. On today's episode, we will be reviewing and discussing The City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty. But before we get to that, we'd love to tell you about what we're drinking right now. So, Brayden, what are you drinking today? Well, today with me, I have Juicebox Hazy IPA. That's right. It's an IPA, but this time it's hazy and... I'm not sure what that means, but we're going to try, and I'm going to try and uh, explain it after. Maybe I can understand just from drinking it, but it's from Sons of Kent Brewing Company. Uh, It's from Chatham, Ontario. It's a strong beer, 6.9%, and that is what I'm drinking. Ashley, what do you have today? Today, I am drinking Jelly King, the Dry Hopped Sour Ale. Which is not necessarily new to me. Cheater. Introduced me to this beer. It's from Cheater. A I'm sorry. Two weeks in a row. No <laughs> new beer. There's <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to put pressure on but you. But yes, this is Jelly King from a microbrewery in Toronto. And yeah, it's been a while since I've had it. So we're going to review it like it was my first time drinking this. Very epic. Very cool. Next up on our list of things to talk about is what are we currently reading? Uh, Would you like to start with what you're currently reading or would you like me to start with what I'm currently reading? I can start. That's okay. Um, Okay, hit, hit me with it. So right now I'm reading Night Train to Lisbon uh, by Pascal Mercier and it is a translated German book that I've been really loving. It's basically about uh, a language teacher who is living and teaching in Germany and then he saves this Portuguese woman from jumping off of a bridge and he sort of becomes infatuated with Portuguese culture and Portuguese language and he ends up finding this really fascinating philosophical text in one of the bookstores that he frequents And he becomes so obsessed with Portugal that he decides to leave his professor job in the middle of the night and take a night train to Lisbon. And it all goes from there. So it's really great. Um, I'm loving it. It gets a bit dense in the middle, but I'm still loving it. It just takes a bit longer. But yes, Brayden, what are you reading right now? Well, I'm reading something much less dense. I'm reading a novella called The Black Tides of Heaven, by J.Y. Yang, excuse me. Um, it's part of a four novella series so far. I'm not sure if there are plans to be more. Or maybe there's going to be like a main series. It kind of re- reminds me of Murderbot in a way, which is like the same thing but sci-fi, where the author builds up the world with novellas, and now she's just released a mainline series book, which is much longer. Um, but this book is about two twin children that grow up in a monastery and their mom is 
considered the protector, I guess, of the lands. There's honestly not a lot I can really tell you about. I'm about 100 pages in, so I'm about halfway. They're still developing the characters, um, but it's about a rebellion, and their mother is kind of sketchy in some sort of ways, and the twins try to rebel against her. And it's interesting because children are born genderless until they get old enough to decide and they get to decide what gender they get to get to be so that's about all i know about the book right now but so far so good uh it's 240 pages long so it's not very long and there's only four of them so if you're interested in novellas and fantasy as i am then i'd recommend you giving this a shot that one sounds really good it's interesting to hear you talk about murderbot also because um People have been raving about that at work lately. I had no idea what Murderbot was until the people at my bookstore filled me in. I have only read the first Murderbot book, which was really good. And I've been wanting to pick up the other books in the series as well. But I just haven't gotten around to it. But maybe I'll try to fit it in this year. But this year is looking pretty busy already. So we'll we'll have to see about that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you like me and have 90 plus books on your TBR list at the moment? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even want to look at my TBR list. And I haven't even been adding that many. And it's already just too long. So, you know, it's a never ending <laughs> battle. It's an uphill grind, as they like to say. Should we open our beer? I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get her cracking. careful over there oh my god sorry i know do you have a glass this time ashley or are you just sucking that out of the bottle okay no i've adjusted <laughs> we've got a glass we're all good that's good listen listen to this Ooh. can you oh can you hear that oh, yeah. sorry i was i was ooing at the fact that i think i had day old gin and tonic left in the bottom of that glass that's disgusting well adds a little extra <laughs> flavor hey hey <laughs> delicious it's yeah first sip is a positive sip <laughs> let's go okay so i suppose we should get into the city of brass if that works for you yes this is the main event <clears throat> this was our book of the month in our book club feel free to join we've had a couple takers don't be left out <laughs> Eh? I don't know what the book for next month is going to be, but it's going to be a good book, I hope. Uh, but yes, this was the book that Ashley and I read for the month of January. It's a fantasy. Shocker. <laughs> but I'm going to let Ashley uh, explain the book because I think she does that a little better than me. So why don't you give a short summary of the book and then we can kind of talk spoiler free stuff and then we can go to like a spoiler section and then we can like really just like get into stuff about the book okay sounds good so uh, the city of brass is a fantasy novel set in 18th century cairo and essentially it follows nari our main character and she is this con woman but also sort of a healer and she has these powers that she doesn't really know she doesn't know where these powers came from um, but she's using them to basically survive on the streets of Cairo. And one day during one of her healing rituals 
slash con rituals, she accidentally summons a djinn named Dara, um, which was a very bad thing. <laughs> and they meet, and he kind of realizes who Nari is and what her powers are all about and knows that she is pretty important to this other magical world. And so they find their way on this journey through the desert to Dababad, which is sort of the main city of this world, this magical world. And um, a good chunk of the book follows their journey. And then, of course, she gets to the city and starts to discover some of the history and um, where her powers have come from and her heritage. So yeah, it's a it's a great book. Nice. What a what a wonderful summary. <laughs> That's a uh, way better than what I could have done for sure. <laughs> so that is perfect. Uh, I guess we'll just talk about like a couple of things that we liked about the book. And I guess we could talk about things we disliked too. But I mean, I think overall in general, I think we liked the book. Did you like the book? Yeah, I liked the book. Um, there were some things that I didn't love, but for the most part, I liked the book. I'm, I tend to be a bit more of a critical reader these days, so I read more, <laughs> yeah. but there's definitely lots of things that I, I loved. So let's talk about those first. Okay. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I love the setting of the book. I love the idea of gins. Gives me a real Aladdin setting and the magic system was kind of interesting as well it's not very complicated but it was but it was interesting and that's i appreciate that yeah i definitely i liked the magic system and i liked how the magic and the history of this world was rooted in actual middle eastern mythology and history and sort of inspired by all that um I really like that element of historical blended with fantasy, um, which is something that Braid and I both also really liked about the Poppy War. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I like to see that aspect come back again in a Middle Eastern inspired world. I really loved that part of it. So other stuff that I definitely loved about the book, um, the character development I thought was, was good for certain characters. I liked watching Nari's character development. It's a dual perspective novel, so it's told... Um, between Nari and uh, Prince Alizad, who is one of a member of the royal family in Davabad, the magical city. And so you really get a good sense of these two characters as you move throughout the book. And they're definitely, they're not a cookie, they're not cookie cutter characters. They're making decisions that maybe you wouldn't always agree with. Um, and they're thinking through things. And I liked seeing their development over time, especially, I think my favorite character to read about was actually Prince Alizad in this book. I don't know about you, but that's interesting. <clears throat> I really I really enjoyed the contrast of like the two characters that they followed and like the worlds that they lived in and, and like their upbringings and stuff, but honestly, I might have to agree with you where where Ali's uh Ali's side of the story was just a little like a little more interesting to me than Nari's side of the story. I definitely just, I really appreciated how he starts off when he, when I started reading about him, I didn't know if I liked him at all, but you start to see how he's making these political decisions and being mentored by his father, um, the King. 
for lack of a better word. I don't know if they actually refer to him as the king in the novel. Yeah, I can't but, remember, um, actually. He's just trying to figure out how to navigate himself as a noble in this world. And he is battling this morality to the people, but also to his family, the royal family. And so I found that really interesting. Yeah, he's, uh, I feel like in some ways he's just got... He's just got a little more going on than Nari does in this in this first book. Like maybe it might develop a bit more differently in the later books. I'm not too sure, but yeah, like he's got some. He has to make some like really big decisions, and it affects his standing with his family and like their culture, I guess. And it's really interesting to see how it turns out and like all the things that happen up to the end point of the book which I'm sure we will talk about I mean before we move into the spoiler section of the podcast reasons to pick up this book I mean the Middle Eastern inspiration for this book is amazing it's really well researched really well researched um the magic system like Brayden was saying it's not super complex so you'll find yourself trying to navigate this really intricate magic system it's easy to read about, but it's also, it has this element of almost feeling like it could be real, which I really appreciated. Um, and it's very, it's definitely an atmospheric fantasy novel, I would say, mm. especially in their journey throughout the desert. I really felt like I was traveling through the desert with them, which was awesome. But any last points you wanted to add for selling points for people who have not read the book? Um, I think you basically covered it. It's another fantasy based on different culture and that's huge for me personally and if that's a big thing and you want to dip your toes into more things like that then I feel like that's probably like the biggest selling point it was the biggest selling point for me at least I'm not sure about other people but for me that was the biggest selling point yeah so we can move into our spoiler review section so if you have not read the book and you want to read the book, which we hope you do want to read the book, I would recommend pausing here because there are spoilers ahead. Um, you can always come back in at the end, but would recommend if you're going to read the book, then you can come back to the podcast and listen to our spoiler-filled review. I guess insert spoiler warning sound. Wee-oo, 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 wee-oo. <laughs> Okay, let's let's get this off to a real spicy start, okay? <clears throat> let's do the old uh, uh, Dara versus Ali debate. Let's go. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> Most anticipated <laughs> aspect of this review. <laughs> Shameless. Okay, um, yeah, so... We're starting, starting it off hot. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I wasn't expecting there to be any romance in this book from the beginning, to be honest. I just... For some reason, I always just think YA fantasy, there's 100% going to be a romance or 90%, but adult fantasy, you never know. And I didn't get that vibe at first, but um, definitely things heat up between Nari and Dara in the desert pretty quickly. Although there wasn't that much of a relationship development. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about that. The lack of relationship development in, I think in, in our eyes, maybe other people don't mind that much but i think personally i found that on their way to davabad 
they go on this long adventure to get there. There's like, and they come back and visit it because they're going back and forth between chapters, right? From Ali to Nari. And I just feel like, honestly, I would have been okay with more development in the, in the relationship because I, it felt so like, boom, this happened. They hate each other. Boom. They spent a couple months together and now they have feelings. Boom. A couple months later, they're kissing each other, you know? So it's just like, it happened really fast in my eyes. And honestly, I kind of wish that the whole adventure to Davabad was slightly more fleshed out. And maybe I would have felt more for this, for this couple, um, and this relationship, but that's just me personally. I don't know what you, you, how you felt about their development. Yeah, I definitely agree. I still feel that S.A. Chakraborty could have created the entire first book off of their journey to Davabad and really taken that time to develop the relationship between Nari and Dara because yeah I feel the same way it was this it was an enemies to lovers trope 1000% but you don't get that development which is the best part of that trope so no I almost feel like it would be better sorry to cut you off I didn't mean to cut you off um I was just gonna say I almost feel like it would it would like feel better like in a in a television series almost you know yeah, and I don't know, like, I think we talked about this earlier, but I feel like, I mean, Brayden and I are both pretty, like, emotionally driven people, I feel like, and their relationship, <laughs> it was very, like, physical, and there was, like, no emotional development. They didn't really, like, talk that much. Like, they gave, they discussed things a little bit, but not very much, so I don't understand how that <laughs> grew no, I think they were just like extremely attracted to each other because apparently Dar is just the hottest guy in the world, and uh, <laughs> Nari's just like all about it. So I don't know, like, but it didn't feel. It felt like like a really like like you said like a real physical, physical driven relationship. Like they just wanted to to touch each other inappropriately, you know. Honestly, like yeah, that aspect of it made it feel. A little bit more either like a YA fantasy or like just some smut fantasy you know not that it was this wasn't yeah. a smutty book at all but no it, that aspect made it feel like that but then you come over to Nari and Ali's development and like we'll talk about how that all happens right now but right now we're talking about who we ship okay and that's important so when you come to Nari and Ali's development it's in my eyes just so much more like it's not as physical he teaches her how to read they spend a bunch of time together it's like you said it's it is kind of like another enemy to lover trope but it's just done way better i feel like you know i definitely wholeheartedly agree that nari and ali's relationship is done way better and yeah there's something about it that just feels better they spend all these all this time like in the archives and in the libraries researching things together, learning magic. Ali's teaching Nari how to read. They're sort of learning more about each other through conversation and time spent together. It's so much better. <laughs> yeah, and Dar is just like a blood-driven, violent 
kind of like a kind of an asshole. So I don't know. I think the ultimate debate ends with both of us shipping Ali and Nari. What do you think? I 100% agree. I wholeheartedly think that Dara is toxic. <laughs> I don't like that word, but <laughs> he is like Britney Spears toxic. Yeah, he's everything you don't want in a boyfriend. And I usually get super I get super angry when characters like that are written in YA fantasy because if you think about the general demographic, it's like young girls and guys who are trying to read a lot of times to figure out, or I mean, not everyone, but I was reading YA fiction to learn about relationships sometimes. And the best not, source of information, YA, YA yeah, fiction you know, books. <laughs> I mean, I guess I should clarify, I wasn't picking up a book, a YA novel when I was like 15 being like, I want to learn how to date people, but it definitely like came secondhand <laughs> through reading these books. Okay, I'm digging myself into a hole. But anyways, what I'm trying to get out of here is I get super angry when in YA uh, fiction, authors write these really not great relationships that are really just, once again, the horrible word, like toxic. They're uh, kind of abusive. They're really not healthy relationships and because it's really teaching the wrong thing. Um, and because this is an adult fantasy, you can sort of get away with writing a relationship like Dara and Nari's a bit more, but I still didn't enjoy no. it very much. Yeah. I just, yeah. And it's funny because I didn't know if I liked Ali at first either. Like you were saying that earlier. And I was like, I don't know. He kind of seems like not that cool. You know, he seems like kind of a pushover he seemed like a pushover but also like a bit pompous when nari first comes to dababa yeah i was like okay get off your high horse <laughs> well he's really he's really set in his like religious ways right so he doesn't like the devas which are a tribe the fire tribe of the jinn and former glory and Nahid, and what Nari is, right? She's a she's a Nahid, right? Which is a Deva, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like a specific aspect. Yeah, specific type of Deva who can heal and also use fire, I believe. That's all that we know currently, right? Um But yeah, he's kind of grown up with a dislike towards Devas, so he was kind of stuck up <laughs> and you're like, chill out, man. Like, let's relax. But he kind of, he kind of comes, comes together. And that's when you, that's when I actually really started liking him as a character. And he became probably, like we said, like one, like maybe our favorite character, you know? So it's like, it's fun. That was a very fun development inside of the book. Yeah, it was definitely, yeah, I enjoyed watching him sort of grow and change over time from when at the beginning of the book like all I remember from his section at the beginning of the book is when his brother like brings those like strippers or like prostitutes <laughs> into the room and he's like no like send them away I don't want this around me I just want to read my books <laughs> <laughs> and she's like this is me <laughs> and he <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I mean yeah but <laughs> like I liked seeing how he he has this really strong 
um, desire to help the people of Davabad, which I really admired, even though at first he doesn't really go about it in the right way. But he's like a young political figure, so he's learning as he's as he's growing, and so I appreciated that aspect. Yeah, and he's trying to help the Shafit, which are people who are mixed with human and jinn, and they're forced to live in Davabad right yeah they're forced to but live there their rights are like cut in half like more in half they're they're bad they don't have many rights it's pretty bad so he's trying to help he's trying to help them out but also he's battling with his with his family because they don't want to help them out <laughs> no they don't want to at all and he's kind of like we're in the spoiler section so this is fine so he's funding this underground movement which is is that the tanzim yeah. Which is like, it's basically this fundamentalist group that's fighting for Shafit rights in Davabad. And so he's funding them with money, like royal money. And he's sort of, at the beginning, he's kind of funding them, but he's, it seems less purposeful than it is later on. And then like, of course, there's like the controversy when they start using that money for like stuff that he doesn't agree with. And you see how his loyalties are question, come into question and stuff, so it's interesting. He's he's an interesting character, definitely a multi-layered. I liked reading about him the most out of everyone. But I also did want to talk about Nari's uh, journey when she first comes and reconnects with her Nahid roots and starts her healing. <laughs> yeah, her, her healing. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I just want to say, like, okay, so I liked the aspect of having Nari as a healer because I love healers in fantasy in all books. It's my favorite type of character. And it was particularly, it felt, it feels pretty witchy in this book because they're using a lot of different, like, herbs and they're using magic. And I liked that aspect of it because I love a good witch witch story but um i really felt her her pain because when he obviously she first arrives in davabad and she starts training right away with nisreen her mentor sort of and she's learning how to become a healer and the king's pushing for nari to like learn so fast like she has to learn how to heal people and basically have, for lack of a better term, like patient turnover, be really fast in her mm-hmm. clinic because he just wants as many people as possible to be healed. Um, and so she's like under an immense amount of pressure to get things right. And one of the first procedures she does, she really messes up. And I felt her pain like to a T. <laughs> this is what nursing school feels like when you're doing your first procedure. Like with your clinical supervisor <laughs> watching you, I felt that on another level. <laughs> yeah, well, Ghassan, which is the king for, I think that's what they call him, of, of Davabad, he doesn't give her the time to actually learn, right? So she's just thrown into, she's thrown into the fray. He's like, hey, you're in the heat? Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've never been to Davabad? You don't know how to treat gins? Have fun. But he does this on purpose, I think, right? That's what they said. I think that's what they came to the conclusion to in the book to, like, keep her from learning too much so she can't, like, become too powerful in a sense, I guess. Yeah, 100%. 
yeah, it was really interesting watching her develop and, and make errors and stuff. Yeah. She makes a couple errors, right? There's the one at the end too. Yep. Where she she's trying to keep the the old man alive in time for his wife to come visit and she fails there too. That was that one's probably real tough. Yeah, I appreciated that a big aspect of her sort of mastering the healing arts was her being able to focus fully and not be distracted by other thoughts. I thought that was, I mean, I don't think it's a, a new aspect to a magic system, but I always like that one. Like magic requires focus. I really enjoy too when a protagonist, she isn't, she's not just like, boom, I'm the best healer in Davabad. Watch out. I didn't have to do anything. I have Nahid blood. I am the best. I really appreciate when there's real development. She's She might have been pretty good at healing human injuries, but when she comes to Davabad and has to heal jinn illnesses and stuff, she is literally just like out of her league and has to learn. And that's, I appreciate that. She just can't like put her hand on a jinn and be like, pow, poof, pow, you're healed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that was nice too. That was some good character development. That's good character development. Not too rushed. Sometimes you get those protagonists who are like, they find out they're like some something special, and then all of a sudden something clicks in their brain. They're like, and then all of a sudden they're just like the most overpowered thing in the world, right? And there's no development to like training, or there's like a really short like training thing. But like the fact that throughout this whole book, up until the end. She still messes up a treatment. I appreciate that because that's super realistic, you know? Yeah, it definitely makes the character feel more real. I love yeah. I love a good training section in a book, too. I'm a sucker for that. Like, same with the Poppy War. Oh, my gosh. The training sections, like the school sections, or when they're giving everything to be the best they can be at what they're trying to do. Love those yeah. sections. <laughs> so motivating. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good ones out there, and... This one, uh, yeah, I always appreciate when they have to they have to earn it. You know, they don't they're not born great. They got they got good blood, but they still got to earn it. Also, I guess we should touch on. Do you think that Nari is full full Nahid, or do you think she's part human? Like, do you think it's actually like a curse to make her look human, like Gasan says, or is he like making that up to like put on a front for the people of Devabad and for the Devas and stuff? I don't know. I've got this theory that it's um, that Nari is the child of Gasan and her mother. Oh yeah. See, I honestly, I was thinking that as well. So yeah, I I'm glad that you also went down that path because I was like, I don't know. Am I reading too much into this? But they have this like secret past relationship. So why would that be a part of the story? Yeah, he seems he seems so obsessed. With Nari's mother, whose name is, I'm about to butcher it, Menizahe. Menizaha. I'm going to call her Manny. How about that? That sounds good. <laughs> and it seems like they had, like, a very close relationship. Because, like, when Nari comes to Davabad, Gasan's uh, original reaction is he thinks it's, it's Manny, basically. But everybody else sees Nari as... 100% Shafit, you know, or Shafit. So that's really interesting, and I have no idea, and I'm super interested to find out if, like, Manny is even Nari's mom. 
and like is she really behind the ifrit attacks you know so we could keep talking forever because now i want to talk about the ifrits or ifrits and how they be raising the dead on people well, excuse me <laughs> there's so much left to learn right because we don't get a lot we don't really get a big deep dive into like what the freets are we just know that they're after they didn't they they killed the rest of the nahids apparently right this is the thing okay i really wish that they're like how with game of thrones there's like a companion history book yeah <laughs> because there's so much complex history going on with this world that i was confused about sometimes so yeah um but that's what i that's what i think that the efforts were killing the Nahids, killing all the Nahids in history. So they're after Nari, but then apparently when Nari and Dara have a confrontation with the Ifrits when they're very close to Davabad, one of the Ifrits was like, we're working for your mother. So it's like, what? What do you mean you're working for a Nahid when you're trying to kill all the Nahids? So like, there's a question that I we need to read the next book as soon as possible for because I don't understand that. And... I really like that, and I want to know who her, her like, if that's her mother, who's her father? Like, is it Ghassan? Is it another Nahid? Is it, maybe it's an Ifrit, for God's sakes. I don't know. Yeah. You never know. Oh my gosh, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's complex. Side note, though, okay, I really want to know. So when they're, when they're holding court, you know, when Ghassan's sitting on the throne, and they're hearing from all the citizens? Yeah. I always pictured, you remember in Game of Thrones when um daenerys is in the desert and she like holds court in that like pyramid thing yeah that's what i pictured every time they held court i don't know if you pictured something similar but <laughs> i i well unfortunately i wish i pictured that because that sounds awesome <laughs> but i just pictured it in like their normal castle like, you know, their normal palace, which was, had like an Egyptian flair to it, you know, but it wasn't a pyramid. I wish it was. <laughs> all I I'm going to go is... back and read it and picture it as a pyramid from now on. Uh, all I know is when they're going through the desert, like my frame of reference for the desert is movies and TV. So, yeah, when you've they... never been to the desert personally, Ashley. Unfortunately not. I'm so upset. About wow. That. You should really go to the desert one time. It's really cool it's like super dry it's like really hot but then at night it's cold like it's really epic you should really try it one time i'll keep that in mind for sure (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um when they're going through the desert at the beginning of the novel and they end up in these forested areas my brain Mm -hmm. as i was trying to picture this book was completely thrown off i was like okay hang on there's a forest patch in the desert (laughs) Yeah, the only only sort of patch I ever really think about in the desert is like an oasis patch. So it's Same. like <laughs> it's like one like random like pool of water with like a palm tree or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. When it comes to picturing worlds, this book took place in the same brain world as um, The Alchemist <laughs> for me. I don't know if you've read The Alchemist. Uh, but... I've never read The Alchemist. No, maybe I should. I really want to talk about the author. and There's a little bit that I want to discuss about that. I don't want to make sure we're not going forever, but is there anything else? Do you any other pressing points? Do we want to talk about like more about Ali, like himself as like a person, or like the way he fell into the lake that apparently 
possessed by marids, which are water elementals, and he falls in and you're supposed to get ripped apart, but he comes back all shelled up and kills people. Huh? You want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, that was pretty epic. That was uh, a crazy part of the book. I definitely, I really want to know more about what's going on with the marids, like the water people, the water elementals, as you yeah. call them. Because throughout the book, she makes it known that he's got like an affinity for water. You know, he swims when swimming is looked at as like, whoa, what are you doing? You're swimming? Come on. You know, same with reading, right? Not yeah. a lot of them read. No. So he's a weird guy. And then it happens when he gets assassinated by a shapeshifter. And Nari's got to heal him. But he's still feeling weak and stuff. But then he goes for a swim. And it kind of heals him up. So it's like you're wondering like what his background is. like on his. I guess it's on his mother's side, right? Because they said that... Um, I think it's the Ionlays or something. I think... I don't really know how to pronounce it, but they had, they were like in cohorts for lack of a better word. I don't know if that's the right word I'm looking for. <laughs> they, <coughs> they, and the, what'd you say? I said in cahoots. Is that what you're going in, for? In cahoots. They're in cahoots <laughs> with the uh, Marids. So I'm wondering maybe from his mother's side, he's got some like, that's where he gets his affinity for water. I'm sure. But it's just so many, so many questions left unanswered. Which is obvious because it's the first of the trilogy. So what can you expect? You're obviously going to get some cliffhangers. I just thought it was pretty epic how Allie gets knocked into the water. And then he comes back, kills Dara, and then doesn't remember like any of it. Oh, oh. You know what? I know this is all over the place, but this is what you got to expect. Because my mind's racing. It's going all over the place. But I really want to talk about... Uh, Jamshid, Jamshid, in Kaveh. Yeah, okay. Right at the end of the book. Yeah. Secret, secret Nahids. You gotta take that into note. Yeah, that was, that was a big surprise for me, especially because, um, yeah, Ali, Ali and, how did you say his name? Oh, Kaveh? 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 This is... This, this whole episode is going to be mispronunciation of names, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I really liked how Ali... Because Ali and Kaveh don't get along very well, right? Um, No. No, because Kaveh is a deva. He's actually a Nahid, I think. If his son's a Nahid, then he's a Nahid, don't you think? Like, I have no idea. Because Jamshi gets really injured on the boat when... when uh, Dara and Nari are trying to escape and then his father Kaveh is like I'm just going to remove the seal so he can heal himself which is like what like not what I expected at all but then you think back when they're at the uh the temple and Dara's like what do you think he goes up to Nari he's like what do you think about marrying Jamshid and you're like now you think about it you're like oh he wants her to marry Jamshid because he's also Nahid and it keeps the bloodline pure. Eh? And I never really put that together. I thought I thought he was just like, oh, why don't you marry Jamshid because he's a deva and he's he's pretty cool. He's a pretty cool guy. But then at the end, I was like, boom. It all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think so, too. 
It does all make sense. And we have a lovely relationship. You see just a little yeah. glimpse of at the end. A little glimpse of uh, Jamsheed X Muntandir. Oh, see, <laughs> these names, man. Holy crap. Muntandir? Oh, I, I said it as... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I think there's a little bit of romance in there. A little kindle of flame. Hello. But yeah, I also liked that little that glimpse at the end. You want to talk about the author quick? Unless there's anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I really want to talk about the author, but we can give our ratings first before we do that. Oh yeah, okay. I gave this four out of five stars on Goodreads. I gave this 3.5 out of 5 stars. Yes, very cool. I, you can't do 0.5, so... Maybe I would have given it a 3.5. Yes, you can. But you can't do, like, half stars. I know, but I specified in my review that it was 3.5. Oh, I didn't actually review it, though. But on Goodreads, I gave it a 4. And then if I was going to use my own out of 10 scale, I'd give it a 7. You know? Like, it was good. Yeah, I definitely, I thoroughly enjoyed my time reading this, and it was a really fast-paced read. But yes, I'm dying to talk about the author, because I did a lot of background research on her. Um, I really want to know whether this book was Own Voices, because we've been having a lot of conversations around Own Voices books at um, my bookstore recently. But yeah, so my main issue with this, so we have S.A. Chakraborty, and you look at you don't have the physical book, but on the back of my physical book, the way that she is dressed and the way that she kind of appears um, could easily make somebody think that this book is own voices. I think it's a little bit misleading. Um, when in fact, S.A. Chakraborty is a white woman from New Jersey. She is? She is. I had no idea, honestly. I really was curious about why does this white woman from New Jersey want to write a book like this? So, I mean, she, her name is Shannon, or Sharon, Shannon or Sharon, one of the two. Um, but she converted to Islam in her teens and she, um, intended to be a historian specializing in Middle Eastern history. And, um, her educational goals were derailed because of uh, the stock market crash in 2008 in the States, which is understandable because it was horrible financial times. Yeah. Um, and so her... Chakraborty is her married name. Um, it's not her last name. So she... And I believe that her husband is Middle Eastern. Uh, but yeah, she is white. So this is not an own voices book. Um... So at first, I really struggled with that. I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Let's just start there. <laughs> um, I didn't even think about that. Like, honestly, like, I looked at her picture, and I was like, she looks she looks tanned. Like, yeah. I didn't even, like... But now that you think... Now that you say that, it makes me think a bit. But honestly, when it comes down to it, um, as long as the research and the... Um, the fact checking and like it's all it's all like done well and like all that stuff then like I don't think I have a huge problem with it but it is quite strange that'd be like that'd be like if 
uh, a white person wrote The Rage of Dragons, I'd be like, that's fucking weird. But, you know, like, I, I feel like I'd have, like, maybe I'd be bothered by it. But then in the end, as long as it's all researched properly and all that, then I feel like I'd be okay with it. But what did, what did, what conclusion did you come to? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a, a problem with her writing this book at all, especially because she obviously has a huge knowledge base in the Middle East and Middle Eastern history, and because she is Islamic herself, and so she has a lot of the religious knowledge um, as well that goes along with this book, that inspired this book. Mm-hmm. My problem is that she, it's misleading, because she it's her married name, which is not, it's not like she's putting a fake last name on the book, mm-hmm. but I just had an issue with the way that she, like, her author picture is set on the book, and the way that she, like, I don't know if she deliberately, like, chose not to put her first and, like, middle names and just put her, like, last name, but the, her author picture and that makes it, makes you kind of think that it's an own voices book, like, I definitely did, and she doesn't really, like, there's not a lot of information about her, in the like author section of the book so i would have felt better about it if she had come clean. kind of openly stated yeah like i don't have a problem with her being white and from new jersey and writing this book but i just wish that it didn't it wasn't as misleading i guess as it was it felt a little bit weird but at the same time i did dig a little deeper into like her twitter and stuff and so um she has accidentally actually it seems like a couple of times been featured on um POC author lists Uh. and she is very adamant on Twitter if she's accidentally featured on a POC author list to say I've noticed I was featured on this list I'm a white woman from New Jersey I'm not a POC author Um, and she'll kind of like redirect the attention to like POC authors that she likes or like explain her background and why she wrote this book like because she is um, Islamic and because she has like her child like she has a child with her husband who's Middle Eastern so she has like a mixed middle eastern child and she wants to write something with like representation and stuff she kind of like goes into that so i appreciate that she's not like out there misleading people on twitter i don't think that she needed to write like on the back essay checkerboardy as a white woman from new jersey no (laughs) no no (laughs) she could have been a little less yeah a little less shady about her her ancestry because other obviously other people are making this mistake because why else would she be being accidentally featured on all these POC author lists. Yeah, that's what I... Because honestly, I, I... Just from the photo and the name, I thought she was Middle Eastern, like 100%. <laughs> I didn't look, I didn't do the research like you did, so I would have just gone on thinking like, yeah, she's... Because in the picture, she's super tanned. She's got dark brown hair, and then she's got... Her last name is, is Chakrabordi, which I'm assuming is Middle Eastern. Uh, I don't know myself, but um, I definitely was under the assumption that, yeah, she was a Middle Eastern woman. <laughs> so I could see how that's misleading. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, well, the redeeming redeeming aspect of her author identity for me was that she does redirect and correct people on yeah. her social media. She goes um, out of the way to say, no, I'm not this, but you should check out this person yeah so i think that that's good i i wouldn't like i'm i first of all don't subscribe to cancel culture at all 
And I wouldn't be like, I'm never reading this book. Don't buy this book because it's not a known voices author. I don't think that at all. I think she did an excellent job with the historical aspects and the religious aspects that she pulls in. Um, and I think it's an excellent book. I just think that, yeah, that needs to be discussed like as a disclaimer with the book. Yeah, no, that that's definitely a good point to bring up because I had no idea. Um, but yeah, that's a, thanks for doing that research because that's not something that I would do. So <laughs> that's very interesting. It's something that I've, I've gotten better about doing in more recent years, I think. And um, I mean, like there's mixed situations and there's lots of own voices conversations that can be had. Like, and there's still books out there getting a lot of press that aren't own voices. And I'm still working out like all that stuff. Like, I mean, I know like American Dirt at our bookstore is getting a lot of press right now. That's not an own voices novel. Um, and I don't think that like if somebody writes a book inspired by a different culture, including people of a different culture, like, I don't necessarily think the book should be boycotted as long as it's not done in a racist way or a, an un, like a, a malintentioned way. But I just think that it's in people shouldn't be misled. Yeah, no. The, if you're gonna if you're gonna write about a culture that's different than yours, you better you better be putting in the work and the research like a hundred percent because it could it could be like one wrong sentence and your whole the whole thing could be horrible. You know, it could be just go go horribly awry you know but yeah i think that like yeah i don't know the conversation can turn like a bit awry sometimes because i know there was a book published earlier this year we could just talk about this quickly but um it was a bolivian inspired ya fantasy yeah and um i was following the news on this book pretty closely and it was written by a bolivian author and um she sort of talked it was inspired by uh the culture and she it was like a darker themed book and she got a lot of criticism for misrepresenting Bolivia and misrepresenting the culture when she mm. herself was Bolivian. Ooh. So I feel like that's where the conversation really gets led astray because, you know, the whole conversation is supposed to be about supporting own voices authors, but then you have people policing books so hard that you're actually policing an own voices author. So yeah, that's where the yeah, that's where the problem lies a hundred percent. Yeah, I believe it was Bolivian. I could be wrong on that, but yeah, I, I thought that was a very very interesting way that the conversation turned to turned the wrong direction. But um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I might have to take pay more attention to that kind of stuff too because I was, I was fooled. <laughs> Honestly, the only reason I figured like I figured this out is because we were having those conversations like at work and also because um, I really like to like do research on authors. A lot of times I like to see like what their education is because mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I can write a book someday. But like, do I have to have a degree in literature? So I always I like to know about authors like educational backgrounds and stuff. So I looked her up and we were having these own voices conversations and it all sort of converged to all this research about essay chakraborty. But but in the end, she led us a little bit astray, but she did a pretty good job. She did a good job at writing the book. So we're going to read, we're going to finish the trilogy, I think, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm definitely dedicated to the trilogy. Because the characters are wonderful and the story is 
There's too many cliffhangers at the end of that book. I can't not read the next book. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> but um, yeah, overall, a good book. And Ashley came in with that clutch information at the end. Thank you, Ashley. Round of applause for Ashley and the research. <laughs> Thank yes, you. Yes, Thank beautiful you. job. Beautiful <laughs> job. That's what she brings to the table. What do I bring the, to the table? Dumb words and jokes. So that's what you get. And then do you want to review the beer? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Jelly King. Dry hop sour ale. It's amazing. Five out of five. The flavor is so good. It's light. Um, it's sour, but not too sour. Um, yeah, I love it. Would 100% recommend five out of five. What about you? Oh, wait. I think our, I think I said last episode that our ranking system is out of 10. Sorry, 10 out of 10. <laughs> and if I'm wrong, then too bad. Um, <laughs> my... <laughs> I actually really like this IPA. It was actually tasted a little bit different than the usual IPAs I have, like the Canuck one I had last last episode. Um, it was really good. It was it was juicy, hence the name, and smooth. I still don't know what hazy means. Maybe that's the way the beer looks, because it did look a little hazy. What causes that? Google it, because I don't know. Um. And then, but yeah, I give this one a strong, I'm going to give this one a strong 8 out of 10. Would recommend to anybody that likes IPAs, but wants a little, a fruitier IPA. Awesome. I'll have to keep an eye out for it. Well, IPA is a bit heavy for me, but. Yeah, you don't like (laughs) IPAs, so you, you, you stay away from this one, I think. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) But. Yes, thank you so much for listening. If you made it to the end, we appreciate you. And uh, please keep an eye out for our next episode, which will be our readathon, Black Literature Readathon for Black History Month, uh, which we're both really excited about. So keep an ear slash eye out for that. <laughs> we got our books ready, picked out for it. We'll be sharing those as soon as we get all the copies in hand. I'm still waiting for one, and then we'll share our picks. But yes, our next episode should be on that, which I am super excited about. Um, My departing words will be this. Thank you so much for listening. We very much appreciate it. And we will catch you next time on Pour Over the Pages. (laughs) 